Thank you for taking the time to watch this past weekend's message. If you're ever in the Denver metro area, we would love to have you join us at one of our four services on Saturday or Sunday. We also stream our services to Facebook and our website every Sunday at 9 a.m. If you plan on watching live, be sure to invite your friends to watch with you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, hello, everyone. How are you guys all doing today? You guys doing good? Good. And hey, hi to everybody that's watching live online as well. For those of you that I haven't had the privilege of meeting yet, uh, my name is Ryan Singleton. I'm our groups and outreach director here at Orchard Church. And today I have the honor and privilege of teaching the Bible and sharing with all of us today. Um, before we get any further, I uh, just want to take another brief moment to honor those who have given their lives and sacrificed everything for our freedom. Um, today we want to look back and remember and honor those who sacrifice. And so let's just one more time, let's just give it up for our fallen heroes. Thank you. And so I think it's only fitting today um, that we're, what we're going to be talking about, our topic is looking back and remembering. Um, and that's what this weekend is all about. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Joshua chapter 3. That's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time. Uh, the book of Joshua is found in the Old Testament, so it's towards the front end of your Bible. Um, we're going to be reading out the New Living Translation today. We're also going to have the verses available on the screens. Um, but as uh, talking about the topic of looking back, I just wanted to ask, how many of you remember what a Polaroid camera is? Is by a show of hands. All right. Well, this is a newer model of the Polaroid camera. Um, and so uh, for the younger generation, if you guys don't know what this is, um, this was very uh, popular in the late 80s. It's a camera. Um, no, it doesn't have all of the cool features that um, we have on this today, because this is what we use to take pictures today, right? And it's also a flashlight, also an alarm clock, also a GPS. Um, you might be looking at this one like, all right, what, what kind of capabilities does this have? Um, it it takes pictures. That, that's it. No, there's no GPS. No, there's no FaceTime. No, it doesn't have Bluetooth capabilities. All it simply does, I'm going to go ahead and take one right now, is this. Okay? But the, here's the coolest part about it is it develops right here in front of you. So you have a physical picture right here. Now, well, I mean, not literally right now. Um, now it's gonna take some time. And so you guys that had Polaroid cameras, you know what happens next, right? You take this out and you do kind of this. Yes, that's right, you shake it. You kind of do this fanning motion. Um, I still don't know if this is an urban legend or not. I don't know if this helps, but this is what we do, right? We do this and so we have this picture um, right here in our hands and that's what we're able to do with it. Um, truth is, I mean, and let me actually ask you guys, um, how many of you like pictures? You guys like pictures? Yeah. Um, I believe, I mean, the truth is, pictures are powerful, aren't they? Um, they have the ability to slow down time. When we look at pictures, you know, it has the ability to bring us back right to the moment where that picture was taken. The memory, the feelings, the emotion that we were feeling in that moment, the season of life that we were in. Um, you know, and if you're a parent or a grandparent, then you love pictures. Why? Well, because you're able to take a camera and you're able to capture that moment of your kids or the grandkids or family members, and you're able to always look back and remember. In fact, there's even a popular saying, right? And we all know it. A picture is worth, help me out, a thousand words. And so just for fun, I thought it would, uh, this would be kind of fun to do this week. Uh, this week, I dug up some baby pictures of our staff members. I don't, I don't think you guys would be interested in seeing those, though, would you? Okay. All right, so let's go ahead and show some of them. Let's play a game. I want you to try to figure out who each staff member is. And so let's go ahead and look at our first baby picture right here, okay? 
Who is that? Anybody know? He was just out on the stage. This is our executive director over church planning. This is Michael Talley himself. He says that he is a very cute baby. I, I don't know about that. All right, let's go on to the next picture. This is another staff member, okay? This is our worship director. Um, in fact, I don't know if you knew this or not, um, a little known fact, he was actually born with that beard. It's pretty crazy. Um, and then, I don't know if you guys would be able to get this one. Here's the third and final baby picture I wanna show you today. <laughs> Who is that? You guys know? It's our lead pastor, that's Pastor Doug. Um, here's the best part about this picture. So, you know, obviously, I think you've caught on by now. I'm using an app on my phone to turn people into what looks like babies. Best part about this, I didn't even ask Pastor Doug for permission. Pastor Doug, if you're watching online right now, I apologize, buddy. I brought your picture up on Facebook and used my phone, and, and then we were able to get this picture. Uh, so that's pretty fun. Um, but no, I actually have a real picture that I want to share with you guys this morning. This is a picture of myself when I was five years old. I want you to see how much I've changed. This is my last picture right here. Although I look really good and there's a lot of business going on up front, if you look closely, there is a party going on in the back. I have a little bit of a remnant of the 80s. I've got the mullet going on. <laughs> um, well, the whole reason why I'm showing those pictures is, is, you know, we can change so much over time. When we look back at pictures, we can see how our hairstyles have changed, you know, just the styles in general. And it's such a great analogy because over and over again throughout the Bible, God expresses the importance to us in being able to look back and remember. No, not the old hairstyles or, or maybe not even our own circumstances, but instead God desires for us to be able to look back at him and who he is. He, he desires for us, and this is why we have the Bible. He wants us to, to go and read our Bibles and, and to look back and who he is. In a sense, this is our Polaroid picture. You know, they didn't have cameras back then, and so we're able to read the Bible and read these stories and be able to understand these different things about God and learn about the character of God. In the Old Testament, we read about how God moved in miraculous ways for the Israelite people. And every time that he did, he would always instruct his people to, to go out and build a stone pillar or an altar, and he would tell them, hey, don't forget don't forget, this is your Polaroid picture moment. I want you to be able to always look back and remember who I am and what I did. And so why does God want us to look back at who he is? Well, if you're taking notes, this is in your notes. When we look back at who God is, number one, we remember his faithfulness in the past. Number one, we remember his faithfulness in the past. If you're not there already, um, go ahead and turn over to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to go ahead and start in verse 7. But before I start reading it, I just want to provide a little bit of context of, of where we're picking up in the story. Um, where we're at in history is the Israelites, they're looking to cross the Jordan River in order to move into the land that God promised them hundreds of years before. And so let's go ahead and pick it up in Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. It says this, The Lord... Said, or the Lord told Joshua. And so keep in mind, this is God's words. This is God speaking to Joshua. This is God's idea. He says, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. And so let's go ahead and stop there just for a brief moment. So what is God doing here? God is raising Joshua up as a new leader, to be the next great leader over Israel, to lead his people. And how does he go about doing it? 
He goes about doing it by telling him to look back and remember what he has done. He says, Joshua, remember my faithfulness in the past. Now, for those of you that are familiar with Moses, you know the story, but for those of you that aren't, I just want to give you a quick backstory over uh, um, uh, the story of Moses and his life. Um, I'll kinda, um, this, it kind of picks up where he was a shepherd living in the wilderness. And for me, whenever I hear the word wilderness, I think of like, you know, a forest or something. No, that he was living in the desert. And his people, he was actually of Hebrew heritage, so he, his people were the Israelites. And God sees the Israelites people who at the time were under bondage and slavery of Pharaoh in Egypt. And so God sees that and he calls out to Moses and says, hey, I want to use you to go free your people I see my people and I see the bondage they're in. I want to use you to do this. And so Moses feels completely unworthy, but he goes. He goes up to Pharaoh and he says, all right, hey, this is what God is saying. God wants you to let his people go. Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to do that. Why would I let go all of these workers that are working for me? And so he says, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. God then begins to send 10 plagues over Egypt. And each time he gives Pharaoh an opportunity to let his people go, but Pharaoh doesn't until the final plague, where finally Pharaoh's just fed up with it. He says, you know what? Just get out of here. Take your people and run. And so the people of Israel, they're like, wow, look what God did. I cannot believe this. God did this. He, he freed us from the power of Pharaoh. And so they began to march out. They get all the way to the Red Sea. And at that time, Pharaoh, he changes his mind. He has a change of heart. He says, you know what? I'm not going to let them go. If I'm going to free them, then, I mean, we're going to chase after them. I'm going to grab my army, and we're going to eliminate every single one of them if we have to. And so the people of Israel, they're freaking out. They're terrified. Their backs are against the wall. They have the Red Sea behind them. They have nowhere to go, and they're crying out to God, God, what are we going to do? And God says, don't worry, I got this. He uses Moses to walk up to the Red Sea, lifts his staff up in the air, and for those of you that know the story, you know what happens. The Red Sea parts so the Israelites can go through on a dry ground. They get to the other side. The Egyptians come through. The waters crash down on their enemies. And it doesn't just stop there. Then for 40 years, 40 years, God provides food and water for the Israelites while they are traveling through the desert. And see what God is saying here. God is telling Joshua, look back. Remember my faithfulness in the past. Don't forget what I have done. Don't forget about what I just did. You see, this isn't just something that Joshua needed to be reminded of. Moses, while he was leading those very people, he needed to be reminded of it as well. In Deuteronomy, excuse me, chapter 7, it says this. You may say to yourselves, and this is Moses speaking um, to the nation of Israel. He says, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? You see, the people of Israel, they were, they were scared. And they're saying, all right, we're going to have to go into this land. And there's going to be these enemies. And we're not a trained army. So what are we going to do? I'm moving on. It says, but do not be afraid of them. Say it with me, church. Remember well what the Lord your God did. What he did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. See, Moses was saying the same thing. Hey, guys, look back. Look back at who God is. Remember what he did. 
how he always came through for us. When we look back at the Bible, when we look back at who God is, we see a God who is a faithful God, and he's faithful to what he says he's going to do, and he wants us to remember what he has done. Today, church, I want you to think back. I want you to think back over the course of your life. How has God been faithful in your own life? Maybe it was his provision. Maybe he was guiding you in a much-needed moment. Maybe he held your hand through a very difficult time in your life. Today, remember his faithfulness in the past. Otherwise, we're so quick, right, to forget, and we move on, and we move on to the next thing. But God wants us to remember. For some of you, I get it. Maybe you're here today, and you're thinking, Ryan, what, what faithfulness of God? I don't know what you're talking about when you talk about the faithfulness of God because my life has been one mess after another. Well, maybe, I just want to suggest this today, maybe God's faithfulness looks different than what you think. Maybe it's different than what we think. Maybe it doesn't mean that everything is good. God's faithfulness doesn't mean that we succeed in everything that we do, that our lives are picture perfect. No, God's faithfulness is that he loves us no matter what. That's the faithfulness of God. And he will always be there for us, no matter what. All we have to do is turn to him. The best way I can describe this is uh, how a loving parent um, acts towards their kids. Um, I'll use myself as an example. I like to think of myself as a loving parent, although there are at times I just want to lock the door or lock the bathroom door and hide uh, <laughs> because my kids can be kind of crazy at times. But uh, for those of you who don't know me, I have four kids, six years old and younger. Um, and so we are definitely busy. Please pray for me, yes. Um, we, Pastor Doug says to me all the time, do you know what causes that? Um, yes, I do, okay? All right, I do. And we got a TV now, and, and all I'm going to say is we took care of it, okay? <laughs> took care of it. <laughs> but uh, the other day we were having dinner, and it was around 8.30 at night, and we have, you know, our kids have school the next morning. And so my, my oldest, uh, her name is Kinsley, she's six years old, she kind of, you know, gives me a sweet look, and she goes, Daddy... Can, I, can we have a popsicle? And, you know, we just went to King Supers and we got popsicles. And so I'm like, oh, my heart's just melting. I'm like, of course, honey. Yeah, you, get, you guys can have a popsicle. My wife immediately looks at me and she goes, what are you thinking? It's 8.30 at night. They have school in the morning. You're going to sugar them up and they're not going to be able to fall asleep. I'm like, listen, honey, <laughs> I'm the cool dad, okay? I'm the fun one. Let me have this moment. I'll take care of it. She goes, okay, this is your situation. There I am at 11.30 p.m. in the hallway by my kid's bedroom. I am not the loving parent anymore. Instead, I'm yelling and saying, go to bed, please. Just go to sleep. In the morning, I paid for it. You know, obviously, the kids are crying left and right. We're trying to get them ready for school. And my, you know, my, my loving wife, she doesn't say a word. She just looks at me, you know, with a, with a smile. And I'm like, all right. And I say her favorite words, you were right, okay? <laughs> you were right. But I think we've all done that, right? Um, in fact, I just want to throw this out there just really quick. For all you grandparents, aunts, and uncles that love to sugar up, you know, our kids and then send them home with their parents, you guys know exactly what you're doing, okay? just want to say that. And we know exactly what you're doing. My father-in-law, like, we'll leave our kids with my father-in-law, and uh, um, he'll sugar them up, and we get home. We're like, what is going on? And he's always, like, he's never upset about it. He's just smiling ear to ear, and he's like, man, <laughs> they're crazy tonight, you know, <laughs> and it's no sympathy at all. It's like, man, I believe it's the grandparents' way of getting revenge on their own kids for all the times that they were bad, right? 
Um, but my point is this. Um, man, you know, I'm not a perfect pa- parent. I'm still learning, you know, I'm still growing. But, but God is a perfect father. He is. God knows exactly what is best for us. He is faithful. I'm in 2 Timothy 2.13. Paul had this to say, if we are unfaithful, he remains, say it with me, faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. That's who God is. This is his nature. This is the character of God. He is faithful. He's faithful in the Bible, and he was faithful for Moses. He was faithful for Joshua, and he's faithful in your life and my life as well. We just have to look for him in that moment. It's not maybe whether or not he is there. He is there. We just have to remember his faithfulness in the past. And so when we look back at God, number one, we remember his faithfulness in the past. Number two, this is in your notes, we know he is with us in the present. We know that he is with us in the present. We're going to continue on the story. Joshua chapter 3, verse 8 says this, Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. Um, For those that maybe don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, it was a box that God had the people of Israel create. And a simple way of describing it is it was symbolic of God's presence. It says, when you reach the banks of the Jordan River, this is what he wants them to do, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Um, And so Joshua, you know, he goes and he issues this command in the next several verses, and we see it play out in verse 14. Go ahead and skip down with me. It says, verse 14, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Let's stop there just for a moment. And so what is happening here, you guys, it's harvest season. The Jordan River is overflowing. This is spring season. This is where the water are at its highest. And so you might be thinking, uh, maybe this is just a small stream or small river. No, this is a raging river at this point. And God wants them to take steps into the river. He wants the priest to lead the way and take steps into the river. So imagine the scene just for a quick moment. They must have been terrified. This is a raging river that they're having to walk into, to step into. They are holding the Ark of the Covenant, which, mind you, was made of acacia wood and overlaid with gold. So this is very heavy. And they're probably thinking as they go into the river, if this river doesn't part, we're going to die. We're going to drown. Put yourself just for a moment in their shoes or their sandals or barefootness or whatever they were wearing, you know, just put yourself in their situation. The whole nation is watching and you're having to walk into the river. All eyes are on you and you're probably thinking, what if I drop this? I'm technically dropping, you know, what's symbolic of of God's presence. I mean, that's going to be really bad. What if I slip? What if the river takes me out? What if I go underwater? Do you feel that pressure? You see, if I were there, you know, I would be among the, the nation of Israel, just kind of standing there, you know, kind of watching, and I kind of see this, you know, start to happen, and I look around, I'd step out, hey, uh, Joshua, hey, man, uh, hey, buddy, time out, uh, hey, <laughs> I know you're a new leader and everything, um, I, I don't know if you're really watching Moses and how he kind of went about things, um, you know, he kind of, instead of us walking through the Red Sea, you know what he did, he, he oh, he had like a staff, and so here, here's a stick, you know, go ahead and have that, I want you to, you know, kind of step out here, and, and you just gotta, you gotta kind of lift it up like this, and then the Jordan River is gonna part, and, and Joshua, you know, he's, just, he's probably just like, no, this is what God said, and this is what we're gonna do, we know that God 
is with us. He's with us in the present. But all right, Joshua, you know, like, dude, I got my clothes on. I don't want to get them wet. We got three million people here, man. I mean, we can build a bridge. Uh, there's a tree right there. We can knock that tree over and, you know, we can cross over the Jordan River. It, it, won't, it won't take that long. And Joshua says, no, no, this is what God said. And we know that God is with us. You see, this time around, I imagine things were a lot harder, at least at the Red Sea, God created a clear path for them, and they were kind of forced to go through it. But this time around, no. Instead, only thing they got was a clear next step. And God was saying, do you believe that I'm with you? Do you trust me? See, the only way that the priests do this is if they knew that God was with them. Well, let's see what happens. Continuing on, Joshua chapter 3 Continuing on, verse 15, it says, But, and this is what happens, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was, say it with me, was dry. And so, you know, we have a, a scholar say that the city of Adam was probably about 20 miles upstream. And so, um, you know, it starts to back up. And what's happening is the water, you know, continues to trickle along. It goes on to the Dead Sea. All of a sudden, it becomes less and less and less until it's dry. And so it says, then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Mean, meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on, say it with me, on dry ground. I love that, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolizes God's presence, where is it at? It's in the middle of the Jordan River, symbolizing that God was with them. The only reason why they're able to cross that river is because God is there. Was it scary? Yes, absolutely. It was a step of faith for the priests and for the people of Israel, but they acted upon what they knew to be true, that God was with them. He had never failed them before. This is what he said he would do, and so they knew it, and they believed him. And maybe that's something today that God wants you to hear. Maybe that's what God wants to speak to you today, whether it's job-related, finances, maybe it's family, maybe it's some health issues that are going on right now. Maybe there are some scary, uncertain things that are going on in your life right now. I want to encourage you today with this. Don't focus on the raging river that's right in front of you. Don't focus on the raging river that you're having to step in and go through. Instead, fix your eyes on Jesus. Know that he is with you. You might say, but it's scary. I can't see past this raging river. I don't know what's on the other side. Remember, where God was stopping the river was 20 miles out of sight. They didn't see God working 20 miles upstream, but they knew that God was with them. Church, don't focus on the raging river that you're in or that you're looking at. Instead, focus your attention on Jesus. He is with you, he is faithful, and he will do what he says he's going to do. And so when we look back at who God is, number one, we remember his faithfulness in the past. Number two, we know that he is with us in the present. And then number three, we trust in his power for our future. Number three, we trust in his power with our future. Continuing on with the story, God wants them to remember how he was with them. And so check this out. This is God's idea. This is what he has them do, starting in chapter four of Joshua 
It says, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said, so once again, it's God's idea, said to Joshua, now choose 12 men from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua tells them, and if you skip down to verse 6, it continues on. It says, we will use these stones to do what? To build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them. They remind us. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. God wants them to remember. He wants their future children's children to be able to look back and see who he is and what he has done. He also wants them to remember something else. It's found in verse 24, the last verse of this chapter. He did this. So why did God have them build this altar, this memorial? He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is, and say it with me, is powerful. It's powerful. So you might fear the Lord, your God, forever. That memorial was there to always remind them of the power of God, to trust in his power for their future. How do, you know, when, when future generations, they, they, they're able to ask them and they look at these stones and say, hey, what is this all about? They can confidently say, guys, God is all powerful. He is. He can do anything. He does it differently and he doesn't, you know, do it our way. He does it how he chooses. But man, he is powerful and nobody can deny that. He parted the, the Red Sea. He provided food and water for us for 40 years. He stopped a raging river. The Lord's hand is powerful. We can trust in his power forever. And if you believe that today, let me hear from you guys. He's powerful. And here's the point. How does that relate to us today? Because God doesn't change like we do. If God was powerful then, he is powerful now. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever. And because he is the same and he never changes, he will do a work in your life just like he did in the Bible. Philippians 1.6. It's my last verse for you, and this is in your notes. It says, and I am certain that God, who, say it with me, who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. When we look back at God, it helps us with the future and knowing that he will continue to be there for us no matter what. You know, when I look back over the course of my own life, um, I have these mental images, and once again, you know, um, just to explain it further, it's not um, these actual Polaroid pictures, you know, but, but they're these images of my mind when I look back and I remember the faithfulness of God. I remember in those moments how he was with me in that present, and because of that, I was able to trust in God for my future. I remember back to when I was in a, a high school summer camp. And man, I'll just tell you what, you know, right now we have with Fuel, they're doing their high school summer camp signups. If you have a student, you know, that is a high schooler um, or middle school, man, I just encourage you to sign them up. Why? Because it was so impactful in my life. Completely changed the trajectory of where I was headed. You see, in my own life, I was living a life of sin. I wasn't doing things God's way. And I remember being there at camp and pretending like I had everything together on the outside, but in the inside, I was hurting, 
I was lost, I was alone. And I remember worshiping there at a summer camp and I remember God meeting me right in that moment. And it's so hard to say, but God spoke to me. And the best way I can describe it is that it was a thought that was not my own that hit me like a ton of bricks. And the thought was this, you're to go into the ministry and you're to teach people about me. And I remember my initial reaction was no. God, you, you know me, I, I, am, I get so nervous. I'm one of the shyest kids in my class. You know, I hate public speaking. Anytime I have to go up on stage, I feel like I have to throw up. Still do, by the way. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> but I, but I, I'm terrified. God, there's no way that I can do that. I can't. And I remember another thought that was not my own hit me once again. He said, you know what? You're right, Ryan. You can't. But I can. And I remember in that moment, just a wave of peace that came over me. And in my mind, you know, I just have this, this picture moment in my life not an actual Polaroid, but I have this image in my mind of God speaking to me and God giving me a peace. And I knew he was with me and I knew that I could trust in his power for the future. I remember also when my wife was pregnant with our son. We went to our 20 week appointment. We're thinking, you know, all right, this is just a routine appointment. And we found out at 20 weeks, the doctors told us that most likely he wouldn't make it. It was tough news to take. And I remember in that moment, I was questioning the faithfulness of God, saying, God, where are you? We went home, we began to pray. And, and I, I still remember just that conversation with my wife. And for whatever reason, God gave us a peace. Ryan, I'm with you. Just trust my power. He's gonna be all right. So we did. You fast forward, you know, um, now my son, you know, he was, he was born, he's five years old today. He was only born with one kidney. But praise God, I mean, he's fine, he's, he's all right. Um, here's a picture of him, just real quick. It's my boy. Now, I wish that everything was continued to be all right. We just found out this last week, and here's, this is the hard part, he still has ongoing issues. He still has ongoing health issues with his bladder and with his kidney, and we don't know what's gonna happen. The doctors told us, you know what, this this might be lifelong that you're gonna have to go through and you're gonna have to go through many appointments and possible surgeries and everything. And if I'm just to be honest with you today, man, we pray for healing. We pray that God would remove this, but he hasn't. But in those moments, we have a choice. We have a choice to either focus on our circumstances, the raging river that's in my life, or instead we can choose to look at God. In church, we choose to look at God. Why? because we have moments like these in our lives. We remember his faithfulness in the past. We remember that he's with us right now when we're going through it. And he's powerful. Doesn't mean he's going to remove it, but man, we trust in his power for our future. If we do that, that allows us, as we look back at him, to look ahead instead, to look ahead with a future, a purpose, and a hope. Church, what are these moments for you? I wanna encourage you to look back at who God is, remember his character, and let it shape your future. Would you do that today? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the power first of your word, and Lord, how it still changes lives today. God, we can trust you because we know that you're with us, God. We can trust you because of your power. And God, you are always faithful. 
You're a God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and we can trust you, God, in that. And I don't know what you guys are going through today. Maybe, maybe your life you know, is a mess. Maybe you find yourself in the midst of a raging river or you look ahead and you see how difficult life is going to be ahead of you. If you are here today with all eyes closed and you just need prayer to trust God in your life with a particular situation, you just simply just raise your hand right where you're at so I can pray for you. Hands all over the place. God sees your hand. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you see our hands. God, would you please help us to trust in your power for our future? We need you in our lives, God. Remind us of your presence. Remind us of your faithfulness, God. Maybe not just in our own lives, but remind us of your faithfulness in your word as well. We can trust you, God. You're a faithful God. It's who you are. Thank you, Lord. As we continue praying with all eyes closed, heads bowed, maybe you're here today. And maybe you don't have that picture moment in your life. Maybe you can't look back on on God working your life because maybe you don't have a relationship with him right now. Well, guess what? This morning, today can be that picture moment for you. God is calling you to himself. He's saying, I'm with you. I want to be with you. All you have to do is turn to me. And so if that's you here today, I just want to invite you just to pray this simple prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life for the very first time. Just pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, will you please forgive me of my sins? I'm not perfect. God, I need you in my life. Would you please forgive me? Come into my life. Be my God. Be my Lord and Savior. I trust in your power for my future. Thank you, Jesus, thank you. As we continue in attitude of prayer, if that was you today, would love the honor and privilege to be able to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, can you just simply just raise your hand right now? Just say, yes, I pray that prayer. I see your hand on that far side. God bless you, praise God. Anyone else? See your hand in the back over here. God bless you, praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for the decisions that were made here today. God, we remember what you have done, and God, this is a picture moment for them. I pray, Lord, that they would always hold on to it, always looking back and how you spoke to them. Father, today we remember your faithfulness. We remember, God, that you are with us. We remember, Lord, to trust in your power for our future. It's who you are, God, and we thank you for it. And We pray all this in your name, Lord Jesus. And everybody says... Amen. Saying yes to Jesus is the biggest decision you can ever make. We've created this booklet to help you with your next steps. So if you prayed that prayer, let us know by emailing us your address to yes at orchard.church and we'll send you a copy. Thanks for watching. Have a great week.